Hello and welcome from me, your host, Mike Potts, to the Mountain Walking Newbies podcast, the show for those new to hill walking or anyone else looking for advice, information and inspiration to help them improve their skills and confidence so they can get out more. So I'm up in the Highlands of Scotland, just had a fantastic day out with my friend John and uh, today's guest who is Richard Pine, mountain guide. Well, Fair enough to call you a guy leader, mountain leader? Yeah, I'm a winter mountain leader. Winter mountain leader. And rock climbing instructor. And you, you live in Kinlochleven, so you live fairly close to where we are now, which is top end of the Glencoe Pass. Yep. And uh, we just had a cracking day out. We up Curved Ridge, which is a fantastic grade, grade two scramble. Had a good day out, and we're just approaching the bottom of the route now. And it's about the only opportunity we've had to actually walk roughly side by side and have a chat so uh, thanks for uh, offering to do the interview Rich. Oh, you're welcome. So uh, I guess just for the listeners just a, a bit of background about you and who you are and how you you came to be here really because it's a fabulous part of the world to live in. Yeah well I sort of like uh, fell into it pretty much. Um, I was mostly outdoor retail for years, uh, went to college, did some stuff there, make sure what I was doing in the hills was safe. Um, Part of the mountain leader training and the rock climbing instructor training was part of the coursework. I just thought, get it finished, do the assessments, started working with kids groups, uh, school holiday stuff, Duke of Edinburgh expeditions, got involved with mountain rescue. Someone said, why don't I do the, the winter ML scheme? Well, maybe that's a good idea. So I went and did the training. Um, all that time I was living in the lakes. And then about seven weeks before my assessment, I just had some time off work and headed north to come and get the last of the quality days in before assessment. And I stayed. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> just stayed. <laughs> Lots of us wish we could do that, just go somewhere and think, do you know what? I don't think I'm going to leave. I like it here, so I think I'll just stay. So you've been up here for about eight years now, haven't you? Yeah, eight years, yeah. Living in Kinloch, leaving. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, a lot of the hills uh, around here, quite busy. What are the kind of main customers that you, clients that you deal with? Uh, well, during the summer months, there's a lot of tourism involved. Um, so there's a lot of people that like to go up and down Ben Nevis and some of the surrounding hills, uh, down to the Mamors, Glencoe fairly often. Uh, so lots of walking, a bit of teaching, navigation, that type of stuff. Uh, in the winter, get a lot of folks coming up from England just to come and try and uh, sample the, the winter mountains in Scotland. It's a very different animal. And very you do different. Some stuff with professional photographers and TV crews and stuff as well, don't you, I guess? Yeah, yeah, end up all sorts of uh, different types of folks. Yeah, um, do a regular thing with a professional photographer, Alex Nail. Uh, he comes up every winter and we go to Torridon or into Glencoe or the Mammals. Um, just for him to teach folks mountain photography. And they're always good fun. Nice, nice bit of variety. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the thing I was quite intrigued about and wanted to talk to you about really was the uh, the um, Real Three Peaks Challenge. Okay. I think you were you basically instrumental in setting up about, what is it, eight, nine years ago now? 2013. Yeah. Yep. Uh, tell us all about that. It's quite, it's quite, a, quite a, an awesome thing you set up there. Yeah, well, that was all about um, just, uh, I had a trip on Ben Nevis with some guys 
and I was pretty disgusted about what's on the hill regarding the rubbish. Posted on Facebook about it, and uh, someone said, um, "Why don't you do something about it?" So, I thought, yeah, why not? So I started a page, uh, the Real Free Peaks Challenge, with the real challenge being cleaning up after the Free Peaks season. Yeah. Um, it's just a play on words, you know. Everybody around the UK know all uh, the national Free Peaks. Uh, so it's just to make them listen, and it's a, like an awareness campaign. So initially, I did think of going round and doing all three hills, you know, Ben Nevis, Scaffold Pike, and Snowden myself. But I realised quite quickly it would be ineffective. Um, so I've got some good friends of mine uh, together. So I had uh, Kate and Ross Worthington uh, down in Wales. They looked after Snowden for me and Kelvin James uh, looks after Scaffold Pipe for me. So we've got this coordinated effort together and uh, I think the first year we had up to about 100 volunteers came out with us for the day and we shifted around 350 kilos if I remember right in one day just oh, off the main path. Just off the bend? Uh, no off all three hills. Off all three hills. Yeah and we were basically like heading for all the pistachio shells and the dog ends and tissues, banana skins, all the stuff that generally just gets like left yeah. behind, yeah. that gets missed. And the idea is uh, just give a deep clean on the hills, let everybody be aware of uh, the impact of littering and like human erosion. And because we got there before the snow comes, at least underneath the snowpack, it's all pretty pristine. And when it all melted, it was all just like lovely. Yeah. So a good six months of the year, some of the Ben Nevis is uh, litter free. Nice. And that's, well, that's grown. I think people have picked it up and started doing it on other hills as well, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, pre-COVID 2019, um, we do this event annually. It's the second Saturday of every October. Um, during that one, it's grown quite a bit. We had, I think it was 26 locations cleaned on the same day. Um, most of the Cairngorm National Park was done for us during the same week. Um, um, shifted monumental amount of stuff um, but going out to places like Ben McDewey all over Ben Nevis uh, we had uh, a lady and her daughter couldn't come along uh, so they did their own like litter pick locally uh, a couple of beaches a couple of uh, uh, lakes around uh, the Peak District and yeah it was quite a good result about 30 locations in all fabulous and I was looking at some of the uh, figures on your so the, the, I think it was a BMC article I was looking at that went up to 2019. Something like 500 odd kilos of rubbish taken off the, off the hills in 2019. It's quite astounding, isn't it, really? In one day. In one yeah. day. It's absolutely amazing how much stuff gets left up there. Yeah, and that's after all places like your, your John Muir Trust and, and the, uh, the Snowden Society, after they've spent the entire summer uh, litter picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just getting all the stuff that, that's got missed or they physically couldn't carry. Yeah. What do you think is the cause? Is it ignorance? Is it laziness? Is it just carelessness? People dropping stuff? Or is it a mix of all three? Uh, mix of all three. Um, stuff does get dropped. I mean, we've all had crisp packets blown out of our hand and we've all lost the, the odd plastic bag. Just too dangerous to go and get them sometimes. Uh, but to be honest with you, most of the stuff that's found is usually hidden under rocks. Um, to me, that suggests that whoever put it there is aware yeah. that it's not right, um, so they do it when nobody's looking. Yeah. That's my opinion. 
Well, it sounds like a reasonable, a reasonable assumption to make to me, to be honest. Yeah, you never see anybody dropping litter. You never see it, not no. even on the street. No, I have seen it on Snowden, actually, and uh, by the time I realised what he was doing, he was beyond shouting and, and uh, accosting different distance, but he was just dropping sweet wrappers on the floor as he walked up, uh, up the pig track, and it was quite appalling, really. But Yeah, some of that would be down to ignorance yeah. to what, what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. I think what, what sums it all up for me is it's not the litter so much, it's when you start finding dead animals in, in bottles. Oh, right. Um, we had a, a vole stuck in a Coke bottle on Ben Nevis. You know, so it's, it's having a, a direct impact on the wildlife. Um, there are seagulls around Ben Nevis now. They yeah. shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, they woke me up early this morning. <laughs> yeah, you tell me all about those, Mike. <laughs> Noisy devils. <laughs> yeah, so have you got a particular bug bear? Because mine is orange and apple peel. Yeah, orange and banana peel, sorry. Okay, yeah, banana skins and banana toilet skins. rolls. Pistachio shells. Yeah, actually, yes. I've seen far too many of those. Yes, because you'll often find as well people will stop at a particular spot where it's a lovely view, sit down and mm -hmm. start chomping, and there'll just be a mountain of, of nut husks around there. Yep. Just sitting there, I've seen That's that. That's right, yeah. Snowden as well. Empty their pockets. Yeah, I had a guy uh, a couple of years back, he's like just talking on one of the Facebook um, posts, saying he understands about like bananas. Uh, Plastic bottles not being there, etc., etc. But he couldn't understand what the problem is with banana skins. So I, I just mentioned to him, maybe uh, do an experiment next time you're at home. When you eat a banana, throw the skin in your garden, and then four o'clock in the afternoon, put it in your fridge. You take it out at 10 a.m., put it back in your garden. Repeat the, repeat the process until October, and put it in your freezer, and keep it there until May. And then try again for another year and see how long it lasts. Yeah. So, about three years on average, on top of the bed. Yeah, yeah. Just get mummified. Yeah. I know, the best they just don't rot away. It's all the other Yeah. And nothing eats them really, is there? That's the problem. There's nothing that gets into them and biodegrades them sufficiently. Well, not up there, no. Um, but also, they're not quite native bananas. So I can't remember ever seeing any wild banana trees. No. <laughs> Anywhere. Not in this country. No. <laughs> no. So, do you think, I mean, do, are you... Are you of the camp that thinks there should be more signage about littering, or are you dead against that? And what's, um, what's the answer? Do you have an answer? That'd be great if you do. Oh yeah, it'd be amazing. <laughs> if you um, I mean, it's, it's not about signage. It's more about education. You know, there's signs everywhere. Um, people don't usually read them. Um, you've only got to look at these places now with all the COVID regulations. You know, entrance, exit, and. People don't even read that when it's in their face. Yeah. Um, so most of it is about awareness. You know, if someone realises about the small impact that they're having and the amount of people that are doing the same thing, um, when they realise that, they tend to stop doing whatever they whatever they're doing, and it makes a huge difference. Um, after the real free peach challenge in October 19, I took some video of around Pooh Boulder. Mm -hmm. Uh, near the halfway locken, yeah, and it was pretty grim. You know, the soil was black. There was loads of uh, green moss everywhere, and algae because of the urine uh, tissues. The stench was just awful. And then we came to March. Had a winter. There's not so many many tourists up there. Then at that time, but then we had the big lockdown. Yeah, and uh, nobody was allowed there at all. There was no access. So when it came to, I think it was about July when the access started to ease a little bit, I thought I'd just go and have a look. And I went up there, and I went up to Pooh Boulder, and there was no algae, 
There was no tissues, no tampons, and the soil was now brown rather than black. The grass was returning. And that was from like eight months yeah. of no people being there. So yeah. the earth does recover incredibly quickly. Yeah. Incredibly so. It'll be a shame to see it going backwards now that uh, everything's opening up again, won't it? Uh, it's grim already. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's nasty. Uh, yeah. And it used to be a lovely spot for a picnic. Yeah. 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 But you wouldn't sit on a public toilet and eat your lunch. Maybe we need turnstiles at the bottom of the uh, the mountain. Only allow a certain number of people on the hill at any one time. <laughs> <laughs> we weigh them when they go up and we weigh them when they come down. Right, yeah. <laughs> Find yeah. them if they've changed any weight difference. That's no. it, yeah. Check the contents of the rocks out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, there, there is tons of people that pick litter as they go. Yeah. And that's absolutely superb. You know, every single person is making a difference. It doesn't matter where they are, no, uh, whether no. on a mountain or uh, down on the canal tow path or in the local park or crossing the fields, you know, everything yeah. you pick up doesn't take long to uh, clean up the place. Yeah, that's become quite a big local movement. I think you see a lot of that where people are just going out and every morning on the way to work or walking the dog, they'll just pick up stuff and it's, it is very uh, big and hopefully yeah. it'll, uh, it'll raise some awareness and some consciousness. But I, I do think sometimes a lot of the people that are, as you say, deliberately hiding stuff and dumping stuff, I guess they've kind of, they're not being brought up with the same level of respect for no. the environment around them, have they? They don't care, I think, sometimes. They simply don't care. Uh, sometimes, but I think a lot of it is down to lack of education All right. on that one. I mean, you see the state of some people's gardens, yeah, and you see other people's gardens, and they're like lovely and pristine. And if you treat everywhere like your own garden, hopefully, will turn out like much nicer yeah yeah absolutely in the end it's not going to happen overnight no no it's a slow process and it's reaching people as well isn't it getting out to them yeah uh, and getting getting your voice heard to the people that need to hear it really that's it so that, that's what the facebook page is about um over the last eight years uh by the time we do the event within a few days we're starting to reach uh, towards half a million people excellent um, so more and more people are knowing about it, but as I said, it's not just about the mountains, it's about everywhere. Yeah. All your lovely places, your local parks, your canals, ev everywhere that you like to go. Yep. And eventually, what I'd like to do is we can get this so big um, that we can get most of the nation involved and just have a, a litter pig just outside your door. Yeah. You know, if we get everybody to do that, yeah. onto a winner. Yeah. Yeah, the landfill will be full up very quick <laughs> every October. I can see it happening though, I think it's, it's not unfeasible, is it? Yeah, it would just be hard to have a weigh-in. National Litter Pig Day, well, yes, that would yeah, be quite tough. That would be incredibly hard. That's a lovely spot over the river, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Really nice. So in terms of the, the stuff you've been doing, in terms of the, the guiding and stuff, any good stories to tell that, that won't get you in trouble? <laughs> epic days out. <laughs> cosmic days. We cosmic don't say, days. Don't say epic. I'm not a teenager. <laughs> say cosmic. It's uh, too many to mention. Yeah, you, you remember like the great guys, and you remember the people that are having a really hard time, and everything in between. It's just, yeah. it's just too many stories. Nothing that stands out. Yeah, my wife keeps telling me I should write a book with all the stories. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? It's a hard work. Day. Oh hard yeah, work. I know. Well, once you get started, though, it just flows. Hopefully. I've written enough articles over the years about kit and navigation and all sorts yeah. of stuff. So. Yeah, that's true. That would work well. Maybe one day. Um, but off the cuff, 
Uh, one guy, Ben Neves, National Free Peach Challenge, 23 years old, and he'd never walked off of tarmac in his entire life. Everything's been man-made surface. Um, so I had to teach him how to walk <laughs> on that path. Goodness me. It was desperately hard. You can see it, he was properly baffled yeah, by yeah. it. Uh, Did he have brand new boots and everything as well? Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Everything was brand new, unused. I don't know if he'll go back on the hill again. <laughs> it, it wiped him out, absolutely <laughs> wiped him out. How high did you get? Oh, he got to the top and oh, back down. He? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With enough um, encouragement and persuasion, <laughs> you can usually get people up quite well. Yeah. And with a bit of uh, careful cajoling, you can get them down again. <laughs> uh, but I, I like to make sure people do the work. I'm not going to drag people up yeah. and down, you know. The, like to push them a little bit, yeah, but yeah. keep within their uh, adventure threshold. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I'll, um, I'll I'll put a link to the three or three peaks challenge in the show notes, and uh, I'll put your contact details in there as well. So if anyone's coming up here and needs right. a, a good a good experience, handy knows the area to lead them. Yeah, or just an experience. Or just <laughs> just an experienced <laughs> guy. Yes, uh, that that would be the one. Um, Super. Thank you. No worries at all. In terms of uh, so. Considering thinking about the audience for this, the mountain walking newbies, really, from your experience and from having led people on walks in the big hills, mm -hmm. for inexperienced people wanting to get out into the hills more and do more stuff, what what would be your sort of top tips or best advice or kit advice? Uh, my top tip is learn how to navigate. Definitely, that's the main one. Once you understand how the map works, um, about the scales and timing, uh, specifically for Scotland, um, it's not distance so much, it's timing that's more important up here. Once you understand that, then you can plan your routes uh, and you can understand what's going on better and you're less likely to take off more than you can chew. Um, most of the problems occur on the hills if people have planned a route that's like a bit too big for their ability. Um, or they've got lost because they're not that great at navigation um, and it causes more problems and they have a epic or cosmic day for the wrong reason um, <laughs> and not always an enjoyable one not always an enjoyable one no um, yeah you've got to enjoy yourself I'm a true believer of the uh, adventure threshold you know pushing your your boundaries a little bit you can learn from that okay yeah but not push them so much that you're gonna hurt yourself or others yeah 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 Never be afraid to turn around. Never be afraid to turn around, yeah. And working on the hill with uh, with all sorts of people. I've been up with every type of people you can imagine, um, including someone with half a pelvis and uh, taking a lady in the mountains that's been blind since birth. Um, there's so much you can achieve, it's unreal. Yeah, you just got to like push yourself out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you got to listen to your body and understand uh, what's going on. Yeah. So if your body's saying no, you know, maybe it's not the right day for you. That's when it needs to. You need to turn around and go yeah. back down. Yeah. Um, I've got more respect for people that say, "No, this isn't the right day," yeah. than for someone that goes, "Yeah, I'm going to keep carrying on. I need to stay face." And they get to the top, and they need a lot of help getting yeah. down because yeah. they've just pushed their boundaries the too far. At the end of the day, the mountains aren't going anywhere, are they? Though? No, they'll no. be there next year when you come back, and it's better weather, or you're fitter, or whatever else. Yeah. Well, if people got time on their hands, I mean, uh, the mountains are this size now after like several millions of years. Um, if they think the hills may be a bit too big for them at the moment, if they don't do some training and some navigational training and some fitness training, 
then they might have to wait a few million years <laughs> for them to get small enough for them to manage. I'm not sure if that's an option. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it. We'll think about it. So yeah. Just expand on that. You were saying it's not so much the distance in Scotland; it's it's the timing. Just expand on that for yeah. For okay. <clears throat> so if people are used to walking around like the, the Peak District or the Cotswolds or any other place that's relatively easy to do big distances. Um, they'll look at the map and they'll generally judge routes by um, the distance itself. So in the peaks, I mean, once you get up onto Kinder Scout and these sort of places, it might be quite simple to get 15, 20 miles in during the day. Um, but if you head to Scotland, trying to do 15 miles a day is hard. Trying to do 20 miles a day, you need a lot of daylight. Um, there's a lot of ascent and a lot of descent and all that has to be taken into account. I mean, you add half a minute of time for every 10 metres of height gain. So Ben Nevis, for instance, that's 1,345 metres. Uh, 134, half of that. You need to add like 70 minutes or so mm -hmm. to time as if you're walking on flat ground. And yeah. That's just going up. Yeah. And, and to clarify, we're talking about walking up and down the mountains here, not walking, say, the West Highland Way or something, for example. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The West Highland Way, you've got to allow for badly patched rucksacks, um, <laughs> severe weather, blisters, midges, <laughs> um, beer stops. Uh, probably need time for waiting for the bus as well if you're a bit tired. It sounds like speaking from a lot of experience there. <laughs> I see a lot. They come through my village. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the devil's staircase isn't as bad as it sounds. No. It's a 20 minute of uphill. Yeah. But you could, you could probably do 15, 20 minutes a day on that if you wanted. Uh, 20 miles a day on that if you wanted to without yeah, too much of a push but a lot, a lot of people do it over like four or five days yeah yeah, yeah. but we're talking about the big hills when you're saying it's it's about timing not not distance yeah in glencoe if you get up onto stobcoin and Lochan to do that one hill uh from the glen up to the top and back down you're looking about six seven hours um the distance on the map is if i remember right i think it's seven k's right so one kilometre an hour. Yeah. yeah. That's like how fast a three-year-old usually walks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got, you've got to keep that in mind. You, yeah. People are really surprised when they realise how short a distance they've actually done yeah. and how tired they are. Yeah. I guess catches people out as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. People yeah. get stuck out at night. Yeah. Uh, you go really slow when it's dark on descent. So if you're planning a route and you know the route's going to take you eight hours and you know you've only got eight hours of daylight, leave an hour before sunrise yeah. yeah and have that spare hour at yeah. the end of the day yeah and you're more likely to get a table in the pub as well to eat <laughs> yeah. always an important consideration oh it is yeah you don't be rolling in at nine o'clock at night and they're not going to feed you <laughs> i've seen so many faces that look so sad from doing that brilliant well, that's, that's just down to planning yeah absolutely and that's what we always say you know rule number one plan plan and prepare properly and that includes considering your pub stop at the end of the day, doesn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah, you want to make sure it's open. Important factor, important yeah. factor. Yeah. Right, well, it's been an absolutely fabulous day out in Glencoe today. Absolutely superb to catch yeah. up with you after knowing you for several years but not actually meeting you. It's been lovely to meet you. Yeah, finally, finally, finally got round to you. And you've taken us up a, <coughs> a cracking route, Curved Ridge, which uh, highly recommended. So thanks very much indeed, and thanks for being Welcome. on the podcast. It's good for a jolly, and thanks for carrying the uh, rope. <laughs> yes, which we did. We didn't need in the end. I'm really glad I carried that. Yeah, that's good training. <laughs> good training for me. I need good it. Training. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, Richard. Uh, no worries. Uh, th uh, thank you, Mike.
Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show as much as I've enjoyed producing it. You can find a summary of this episode's discussion, along with any links to the issues discussed in the show, at the show notes over at mountainwalkingnewbies.co.uk forward slash podcast show notes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, suggestions on ways to improve it, or even suggestions for future shows or guests. Why not drop me a line at info at mountainwalkingnewbies.co.uk. Would you also please help me to reach more people by rating, reviewing, subscribing and sharing this episode? In fact, why not share this episode now with one or two people you think might particularly enjoy it or benefit from it? I want to help more people to develop the skills and confidence to get out more and to do so safely. So the more ears we can reach, the more folk we can inspire to just get out there. I'd also like to thank local folk band Albireo for their kind permission to use their wonderful version of Tournée à Toi, originally composed by Paul Maclis as the theme tune for this podcast. If you'd like to buy a copy of this lovely folk tune or to check out Albireo's other offerings, you can do so at albireo.bandcamp.com. Finally, if you'd like to help me continue creating great content, why not consider becoming a patron of the show? For a small monthly subscription of less than £3, patrons get exclusive access to bonus content from our wonderful guests, behind-the-scenes material and special offers. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash mwn or simply click the red become a patron button next to each podcast episode on the mountain walking newbies website thank you again for listening and i'll see you next time on the mountain walking newbies podcast <laughs>